You're listening to Building the Game with Rob and Jason. It's Building the Game with Jason and Rob. For tabletop game design, you really can't go wrong. Building the Game, yeah, Building the Game. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today, what is it? It's Monday, March 18th. 2019 it's episode 355 my name is rob i'm here with jason hi Hi. what's going on it's a beautiful day it's actually a really nice day outside it's in the 50s it rained a little bit today but it wasn't snow it wasn't snow i'll take it tomorrow it's gonna be in the 60s and we're gonna have i guess some violent thunderstorms but whatever it's still warm i'll take it sweet better than the rest of the country which is going to be under some kind of horrible bomb cyclone bomb, bomb cyclone can we right? not can we stop naming stuff things like that it's it's <laughs> it's the world we live in now I where know, every storm gets a name and and the more right. dramatic the better right yeah. yeah i'm excited because uh with this warmer weather so we're going to uh we got that deck out back you've seen yeah. that before mm-hmm. right yeah. you maybe even been on it once or twice so once or twice. So I'm ripping off all the sides. Oh yeah, yeah. So and then uh, ripping off the the to make the, it make it that much easier for your children to fall off of it. Yeah, basically. Well, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna rip the deck right off. So oh. so they'll just be the substructure. So they'll just go right out the door, fall right yeah. into this good. concrete. It's good. Be awesome. No steps, just no, right. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's gonna be great. Uh, it seems like a good plan. No, uh, so yeah. we're gonna. Um, so that's what I'm gonna do. Yeah, <laughs> and then our contractor is gonna come over and turn it into a screened-in room. Oh, good. Uh, that's cool. That'll have like a ceiling fan, you know, like a nice. roof and little uh, three-season porch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um, and he's gonna make us uh, like little uh, plexiglass. You just pull out the the uh, what should we call it? The screens will be removable. Yeah, so just pop those out, pop in the plexiglass, and then over the winter, obviously you're not gonna use it, but you won't get tons of snow in sure. there. Sure. That's great. Um, yeah. yeah. So we're really nice. stoked about that. We've been waiting a couple years to do that. And, uh, but I was like, Hey, can I, and you're like, can I be here and, and help? Like, cause you know, I'm not going to try and tell you what to do. Cause yeah. I don't know what to do, but <laughs> I would like to be a part of this, you know? And I said, um, yeah. and I, my work schedule is flexible. So he was like, yeah, let's do it. So cool. So I was like, how about I do all the demo? Because I know how mm. to do demo. I've watched enough fixer upper to know how to do demo day. All you so. need is a crowbar and a hammer. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> well, so I'm excited though, because, uh, this year the kids want to, um, grow some vegetables right mm, so we've been cool. talking about that for a while so cool. i'm just gonna use all the decking to build a box like a elevated garden sure and of course any builders out there listening who are like you're going to poison everyone i'm going to put a liner in so that the wood the treated wood is not touching the soil obviously okay, okay. i obviously thought of that after the contractor said you're gonna want to put a liner in <laughs> <laughs> so uh Sure. Yeah, but that's awesome because then I can build like a nice box for free, basically. Because yeah, cool. I found tons of plans online, but you uh, you have to buy cedar, like if you want to do it with the normal stuff, and mm-hmm. like cedar is, is expensive. It's expensive, and yeah. you need a lot of it. Like so, yeah. it's like a hundred bucks to build it, or one hundred and fifty to buy one. Mm-hmm. But I can build a bigger one for a hundred bucks. Then I was like, or oh, I could just use the wood I already have that'll sure. look kind of cool and rustic. So well, good. Yeah, gonna good. grow some peppers. Kids are real excited about the peppers and the they tomatoes. They like peppers? Laurel does. Likes peppers? Yeah. Josiah hates any like, fruit or vegetable. Like bell peppers, so. you mean? Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, green. No, sorry. Uh, yellow, orange, and red. We don't okay. do green in No house. green peppers, really? No. Why not? They're so different tasting. They're, the, they're like, the best ones. No, they're the worst. They're the best ones. They're not as sweet, which is yes. why they're so good. Right, which is why I hate them. So. Oh, they're so good. I love green peppers. All right, so we need to Pablo it up here. Oh, quick. yeah. The year Pablo, I don't know if you've... Have, you, have, have I told you the good news of Pablo? No. Yeah, uh, uh, this this actually 2019 is the year of Pablo. I was unaware. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. And in, in this year, we celebrate we celebrate 
Pablo. Yeah. And why? We, why is that again? I can't remember. Well, he's just a good guy. Yeah. That's you know, cool. yeah. he's he's a good guy that we that we appreciate. We're big fans of him, and the way we celebrate him is by drinking Brazilian sodas. That oddly enough, also, I mean, this is a, this is not right. I mean, you're right. gonna think that one led to the other. It's it's completely separate, Jason. But Pablo did give us these sodas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's not well. We, as anyone knows who listens, yeah. we're planners, right? Right. We plan way ahead. Sure, way ahead. Like right. You know, like we've already planned out. Like for 2020, we've already planned out the IDC for sure. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, and right. the and topics for episodes for so the next like 40 episodes. We've known that the 2019 yeah. was going to be the year of Pablo for some time. Probably 2017, I would guess. Uh, Before we knew Pablo, I'm for sure. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. We just heard. We had heard. At least I had heard the good word of Pablo. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, well, we and might then, as well do this. Coincidentally. So you know the rest of the story. It's, anyway, it's like I mean, it was it was meant to be, right? right. I mean, basically, right. So uh, what we've got here, I'm going to read uh, to the builders here. Uh, uh, Pablo's right up on on tonight's soda, mm-hmm. which is uh, I'm gonna try to pronounce this correctly. So so we'll see. Hopefully, uh, I think it's called Itubaina. Um, that sounds right. I- Itubaina. Uh, Itubaina was originally produced in Itu, a city in Sao Paulo state. The brand lost a little of its space, but they rebranded it as a kind of hipster thing. So it has a cult following. So this is a cult soda. So Brazil has hipsters too, right? This particular one has a tutti frutti or fruit salad artificial flavoring. Wait, fruit salad? Fruit salad. I wonder if that means the same thing there that it does here. I don't know. I don't know. Let's see. Let's find out. This is the one I've been most excited about. Oh, yeah. Looking at them. Yeah. It's it's a nice can, too. The, the, the can has a nice design on it. It does. Hmm. Yeah. I like it's that. It's okay. not what I expected, though. It is not what I expected. The aftertaste is very contrary to what I would expect mm. fruity soda to taste. It's like. actually not that sweet. It's it's very mild. No, yeah, it's good, but it's it is good. Every one of these Pablo has surprised us. Surprised in the way us. It's been different from what we expected. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's pretty pretty good. I like that. All winners, all winners so yeah. far. Yeah, we've not had one we haven't liked. And I was trying to think back of what my favorite one was, and I. I was like, oh, was this? No, no, it was that. No, I, you know, I don't know. They were all so good. They're all good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The first one was super solid. The Antarctica. Uh, that was the yeah. Gorana right? Antarctica. Because that was like the base. Like this is what this tastes like. Yeah. Uh, and it was very good. I was a big fan of Jesus last time though. That was really good the, too. The, G- the Jesus soda um, was really good. Cool, yeah. cool. So, so anyway, um, good stuff. Let's see what else is happening here. Um. Uh, I think you saw Captain Marvel. Oh boy, did I! Did you see it? Not yet. No, I, we might yeah. go see it tomorrow. We'll see. Um, cool. cool. Uh, if not tomorrow, then sometime this coming weekend. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It looks great. You enjoyed it though. I yeah yeah. I so just as a spoiler free comments on it. I I've heard a lot of mixed reviews. Like mm-hmm. some people loved it. I, I loved it. Like yeah. The, you know I mean, does it have problems? Yeah, sure. But well, they like, all do. Yeah, right. But here's the difference, though. Like mm-hmm. when somebody like says Iron Man 2 and I say, I actually really liked Iron Man 2. It's fine. But, I just rewatched that not too long ago. And yeah, it has some problems, but it's OK. Yeah. But yeah. when somebody says, here's what the problems are, I'm like, yes, like yeah. I, I could tell you what you're going to say the problems are before you tell me. Right? Sure. I'm just willing to gloss over those because I like the movie. Yeah. With this, every time someone said, well, the problem with it is this. And I was like, was it, though? And I'm like, I guess like. So the things that people have said like were mm-hmm. problematic, quote, were to me the things that were the least interesting thing about the movie, mm. but they weren't 
bad. Yeah. Like the movie did a lot of things that straight up surprised me and okay. in, in positive ways. Good. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So, but everything, uh, you know what I forgot is that Annette Benning is in the movie. Oh, is she? I yeah. Didn't know that. And she's great. Like she's great. She's always so, great. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I love that they can get actors like that yeah. to do this. I mean, heck, Brie Larson is an, is an Academy Award winner as well, but yeah, you know, sure. um, and she's good. She's good. Um, somebody described her as somewhere in the middle between, uh, somewhere in the middle between Captain America and Tony Stark. And that's mm. why she's cooler than both of them. <laughs> Cause she's nice. like, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, good. um, anyways, so I, I can't wait to hear your take on it. So yeah, I look forward I, to There's it. no way you're not going to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. And it's short too. Like oh, really? it goes quick. Those movies are always like, like two and a half hours long. This was, I think under two hours yeah great yeah like it's i think i'm on record as saying that 90 minutes a movie should be 90 minutes i i believe comedy should always be 90 minutes a drama is allowed two hours okay but but if they can do it in less than that like the movie we did is 145 and i feel good about that like yeah it's a tighter 145 than when you started it was like 215 and Mm -hmm. it wasn't and we cut it down to make it you know sure um, I heard Endgame. The first cut of Endgame is running three hours. It can't. There's They've no actually way. talked about doing an intermission. Oh god. Yeah. Think about it though. Yeah. They are wrapping up a deck twenty-two films. Yeah. No. They're wrapping up. I get it. That's just long. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But That's I, long. I, I want every moment of it. Like I'm so excited because <laughs> this is probably the last time we're going to see several of those actors yeah, in these sure. movies. I just rewatched uh, Ant Man and the Wasp not too long ago. Still, that was still a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That was good. Uh, Evangeline Lilly and uh, and Paul Rudd have like amazing like back and forth chemistry yeah. on yeah. that stuff. And then of course Walton Goggins is just always great. That guy can do no wrong in <laughs> my eyes. So great, no wrong. He's one of the best. Anything's like he's generally a villain, but like, where did he come from? I don't know. Like, I know. I like he was he was unjustified, and was like, whoa. I feel like that's where he got in everyone's radar. It's got to be, and then he's just he he, and he's kind of everywhere now, right? Like, I feel like that show could afford Timothy Oliphant, because he was like mid range price, right? (laughs) Right. And then they held auditions for Boyd as the bad guy. Uh And this guy just like showed up, having been in very few things, and just right. blew them away. Yeah, it's gotta be. Because he's, uh, he's amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's like the single most charismatic speaker ever. Yeah, like even he's, when he's the bad guy, <laughs> he's just got so much style. Yeah, so much style, so much swagger. Yeah. Um, I watched The Umbrella Academy on Netflix. I watched you tweet about that. I need to see that. I really enjoyed it a lot. Like it, it's, it starts off a little slow. I mean, it starts off introducing this different world and these different characters and kind of. It's it's juggling the present, what's going on with these characters in the present day, with what their history is together, and 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 it takes a long time to kind of teach you all that stuff. But it's also dealing. This is not a spoiler. Dealing with some time travel stuff, and so it's oh, also so that be a little confusing. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of sort of complicated things that it's that that it's interesting you to, and it really takes time to do that and maybe takes more time than necessary i appreciate they don't just dump it all uh, uh, on you up front and say look figure it out or eh, don't right. worry about it right they take their time to kind of roll it all out um and they probably spend a little more t- more time than they need to with that mm-hmm. um they got some episodes to fill it's a series <laughs> yeah yeah but but i don't want to say it's it's over 
I'm just it's saying over like, stuff that's typical or, or for, yeah. you know, for scripted stuff. But those last three episodes, and I should say every episode, the episode was over and it's like, well, I got I to gotta see what happens next. Right, I, right, right, right. I've got, I've got it. Even even if the episode was not a, you know, a, a, a you know, roller coaster in itself, at the end it was always like, oh, oh well, I need to know what happens next. Right, um, right. I, but, but the last three episodes just, they just, they just go for it and it's kind of bonkers. That's awesome, and uh, I really enjoyed it. It's, and then uh, after I finished it, the next day after work, I went to our local comic shop, and I asked about it. And the guy behind the counter said, "Not only are they sold out, but and look, I don't know if this is true. This is what the guy told me. Okay, uh-huh. but he said not only were they sold out, but it's it's on back order, and and that the publisher, I think, which was Dark Horse, screwed up, and it's out of print." And now they're just re- re-ramping up production now because so many oh, people want it, right? But they can't even order it right now. That's not so, smart. So they don't know when they're going to be able to get it. I mean, in. that literally was a license to print money. Yeah, and right. maybe they didn't think it was going to hit as big as it maybe, did. Maybe, maybe they didn't think because so. the other thing, and I, I read this somewhere else that somebody said that it, it is it makes significant departures from from the original graphic novel. Okay, uh, which or is the, the series typical, which is not yeah. a surprise. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's, so. Um, but also that the that the the comic is even more bonkers, okay, than okay. the TV show, which would again make sense. But I mean, even as it is, I feel like the show is kind of bonkers. Okay, yeah. So, anyway, I liked it a lot. Um, no, really I have to check that out. Did you see the trailer for Good Omens? Not yet. Mm-mm. Okay, I'm behind on movie trailers. We, well, it's that's a it's a Prime show. Oh, that's it's right. Be like yeah. a six episode series. Yeah. Do yourself a favor and watch the trailer for that. Mm-hmm. Because like I can't not want to just binge the whole thing. I'm gonna be like Steph. We're gonna sit down and just watch all six episodes. Have you read the book? I have not. I read it when I was in high school and I loved it, but it's been a long time, so I don't remember a lot of. I it. knew what it was about. Yeah. Like I, I kind of had an idea, and I knew that the near uh, Neil Gaiman Terry yeah, Pratchett yeah. thing, right? Um. Uh. And uh. Wow. It just looks like they nailed it with the trailer. Um. So good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's only six episodes, which means oh. like. They've got they, that should be the, enough to where a long novel right. you can do a long novel in six episodes without overstaying your welcome right and without having to cut too hopefully much. that means it's tight so, it's a good yeah, tight right, right. story yeah. yeah yeah cool uh yeah uh game wise what's going on game wise um game wise um I haven't played Hitman in a little while I think I finally <laughs> I think I've finally maybe said a little bit on Hitman two so uh, I got back into Stardew Valley. Which is a time I've seen that sink. one suggested several times, but it's, it's a farming game. It's right. it's just so calm and so meditative. Right. It's it's just a it's just a a good kind of rhythmic experience. Uh, played a little bit of Diablo. Original Diablo came out on GOG recently, oh, wow. so uh, I hadn't played that since I was in high school. So it was kind of cool to go back to that. But also, man, that game is definitely from 1997 <laughs> or 1996. Yeah. Anyway, that game is definitely from the late 90s. So it was a little tough to go back to. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's been kind of cool. my, my gaming experience. I am, um, I have returned to the bingo RPG. Oh, good, good, um, good. It was that I pitched months ago, uh, and it, and it's one of the, been one of those things that's been stuck in my head ever since. And, and, and I always know that after a few months, if I haven't moved on to, to or, or be, you know, if, if the excitement over that hasn't been replaced by something else, then I know I need to keep yeah, keep yeah. working I on know it. that feeling and so that's that has never left my head and so i i've gotten back to doing some development on that um right now well we can talk more about that next episode because i think we're gonna spend some time talking about con prep and stuff next week yes yeah so we but are. that's because so, we're planned ahead it's what we do so we do 
Right. <sighs> what did you want to talk about tonight? All right. So, um, so one of the things uh, with my new um, business venture, I've I've got more time to where I can do different things, and uh, and one of the things I've been trying to focus more on is doing game design stuff as well. When I've got, you know, that I can spend some time during the day keeping up with game design stuff. And part of that has been spending more time working with Neil um, on a game that uh, we'll pitch on this show, hopefully in a few episodes. I'll have to get him on so we can do that. Uh, but it's a game I worked on and then Neil saw it and was like, I like this game. And he kept giving me so many ideas. I was like, how about we just co-design this game together? He's like, okay. So it's been going great. And I've mentioned that. And so we'll talk about that in a couple episodes, hopefully. But uh, the uh, um, the other thing like uh, that I've been trying to do is I uh, was you know, toying around with the idea of wanting to be more uh, out there, like in the public space with game design stuff, like for uh, for helping other people. Like and one of the aspects I thought would be cool uh, was working with kids around game designer, not just kids. I mean, it could be high schoolers. It could be, you know, it, it, we'll say six and up like on average, right? Um, the way I got this idea was that Corinne Roberts, who we talk about a lot on the show, she actually goes from public libraries and such, and they hire her to come in, and she does art classes with the kids, like just a seminar, right? Like hour or two, mm-hmm. um, you know, teaches the kids some stuff. And uh, I was like, gosh, that would be really cool to, to do that with game design, right? Because like kids don't get exposed to that, you know? And, and looking at my kids who've been exposed to game design a lot, yeah. like they've just clung to it and they love it right Mm -hmm. so um so i was thinking that it would be fun to 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 start doing that so so here's what i'm hoping to accomplish with this so i've kind of got an idea of what i want to do Mm -hmm. um and i can talk about that a little um but then uh the big thing is i want to make sure that when they leave they have a kit of stuff right um uh, and I'll go over what, what my plan is for that right now so that they have a kit of stuff so that they could go home and they have everything they need to, to make a game, right? Now, yeah. now, we know that you if a kid has a paper, like some pen sure. and a paper, they have um, a pen and some paper. I said some pen and a paper. Um, <laughs> if they have that, they have all the tools they need, right? Sure. Uh, but giving them something that makes that even easier, I think is awesome. Yeah. Um, so... So yeah, so that's kind of the idea, right? Mm-hmm. Um, any initial thoughts before I talk a little more about it? Yeah, well, so um, just the first thing that popped in my head was thinking about the age of, of, of the audience, you know, that if you're going to, if you're talking to middle schoolers or high schoolers, I think you can introduce some more complex ideas than if you're dealing with kids in elementary right. school, right? Right. And even in elementary school, there's a range between... You know, first grade and fifth grade. Yeah, what I would be showing six gra- uh, six year olds mm-hmm. would be very different than what I was showing third graders. Yeah, you know? right, right. <clears throat> so yeah, but you know, I I think I think depending on that, y- you um, uh, you you I, my 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 gut reaction would be to think about um, um, you know, try and teach the kids about um decisions. About don't uh, you know, uh, give give people the option there or the opportunity in your game to make decisions. Yes, yes. Uh, and I think that would be a key piece there. Right. That it's not just that. That I mean, they can just roll the die and move your piece, and that's okay. And and, and again, depending on the age of your audience, maybe that's enough. But and uh, or maybe even with a more complex game, maybe that's part of it. But. Um, uh, 
somewhere in there find the opportunity for the players who are playing your game to make a choice about what to do next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, <clears throat> no, that's that's really good. And so, of course, I want to be able to teach them how to make a game that's not just roll the die and move, right? Yeah. Because, well, there are those games and some kids really like those games. Those games are objectively not great um, <laughs> because mm-hmm. they're not... They're not games. They're activities, right? I really yeah. still stand by that. Um, when you have no control over anything that happens. Um, I mean, you might even want to say, hey, this this class is for kids age 10 and up. It could be. but So here's here's why I think I could do six and up with this. Um, okay. Well, first of all, I have a six-year-old, right? So I'm pretty aware of like what mm-hmm. him and his friends are like mm-hmm. um, and, and the kind of the level of creativity. So you know, my thought was when it comes to, I do think yes, ideally ten and up would be easier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, the idea that my plan would be, I so I'd sit down and explain kind of this is what game design is. This is where games come from, right? This is the idea about games, um, and uh, and you know, games have these pieces, right? Like this, mm-hmm. is, these are things games have. You have to have a way to win. You know, you have to have decisions, that sort of thing. Work all that right into it, uh, but then basically say so the easiest way to design a game especially for kids is start with a theme right like let's what do we want to make a game about? and then actually basically do what we do on the show sometimes sure. with the kids is yeah. workshop a game right there right mm-hmm. um so they get to see the process um and then we would workshop a game <clears throat> specifically with the component kit that i would be giving them at the end so that they would have everything they need mm-hmm to make that exact game, right? So that they kind of get an idea of, oh, with these pieces, I could make this game mm-hmm. or I could make my own game. And obviously, I would love it if they went and made their own game, but um, it at least kind of gives them ideas, right? Yeah. As to how it could work. So, um, and then in the end, giving them the kit and saying, this is everything we use to make this game. You can take this home and make your own game, right? And then including in there um, a sheet with, like a one sheet with a lot of tips and stuff about, sure. here's things, you know, um, that, the game designers do uh to make games mm-hmm. so so yeah does that yeah no that's sound, that's that's a neat idea um yeah um you'd want to make sure yeah so you would make that game and and or you know brainstorm half of a game or something and and then i guess you would come away from that and you could say okay guys we 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 made half of a game today right uh, using the kit that you have in front of you. If you want to go home and finish that game, you can go ahead and do that. Or maybe you can use these same pieces and add stuff that you have at home mm-hmm. and come up with your own game that's totally different from this. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. And, you know, and you can use examples of things that, you know, just because just cause it's not a die or a pawn or a cube doesn't mean it doesn't work in a game. You know, you can... Uh, think of other games that have other weird components like uh, garbage day has a plastic trash can as a component you know that's a good point that's a really good point and so you can a game can come with all kinds of different components and all kinds of weird things you know you could use uh, a doc uh, a simple surgery as a um as an example which has a pair of tweezers as a right as yeah, a, yeah. As, a yeah. as a component you know there's nothing wrong with that um yeah yeah, that's a great point. Just, you know, a little, <clears throat> little plug there for when that's yeah. available in stores. Great idea. Coming soon, I hope. Um, <laughs> but no, that's a good point to say, like, here's, I've given you some common stuff that we right. use when we're making games. But don't be afraid to mix but, it up. Yeah, yeah. Use your own stuff at home. Use right. your, you know, your toys, like, that you, like, use cars. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, Gaslands, heck, that is, like, 
make your own board for this game every mm-hmm. time you play it. Yep. Um, yeah. So the kit, the kit that I want the right now, because sure. I'm trying to make the kit cost about a dollar um, <clears throat> so that I can cover the cost of it myself. Um, and, you know, there could be 20 to 30 kids in any one of these things. So like if it's like five bucks a kid, that's going to get really expensive real quick. Yeah. Right. Um, so. So here's what I have so far for about 96 cents. Well, no, a little over a dollar with the bag. Um, I could give them 20 blank playing cards because um, I figured 18 is about the size of a micro game. Throw in a couple extra. Mm-hmm. Um, 12 cubes for um, four each. No, three colors. Uh, yeah, three colors. Uh, no, sorry. Four colors, three each. Right. Mm-hmm. So like. And that's that's pretty easy by the thousand cube thing, right? Yeah. Um, and then uh, what was next? Um, a die, just like one d six, because sure. because if the kids do want to make a roll and move game, might as well make it easier for them. Yeah. Uh, and then just a bag to put it in with with a paper that explains here's here's ways you could make your own game. Here's ideas, mm-hmm. so that when they go home, if they they go to their parents, like I want to do this, the parents have a guide to help them do that. Sure. Um, I would, I, I'm not sure, like I was trying to think of other stuff I could possibly swap in or, or put in, um, any thoughts on that? You don't want to put some pawns in there of any kind? Well, I thought the cubes could work for either. Maybe they could. I, yeah. So originally I had four pawns in there, mm-hmm. but putting the cubes in there, like was like, you could track things with this or, but that's why I did four colors. That sure. way you could have, you know, multiple um, so yeah, I was trying to price out pawns that weren't like, unfortunately pawns get pricey real yeah. quick. So you look, she's looking on Amazon stuff. Mostly. Yeah. 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 Cause if you do this through game crafter and assemblies and order them, even if you order them in bulk, it's probably going to be more expensive. Oh, yeah. And the, I, I did talk to some friends in the industry, mm-hmm. uh, in production and they specifically said that if you add a box, it's going to oh, be yeah, super yeah, yeah. expensive. So, right. so don't do that. <laughs> Um, yeah, I yeah. mean, I think a game, even if it's just a small fabric bag from GameCrafter alone is like $2. Maybe not that which much, is, but... Which is a fair price. It's I a mean, fair it's price, just, yeah. You know, for, for, what for what you want yeah. to accomplish, yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm not as concerned about what I put it in. I want to give them yeah. as much as I can to, you know, to yeah. have... Um, but I can look to see if I could add back in some pawns. Uh, I did find some reasonably priced meeples, I think. Like mm-hmm. little tiny meeples that were actually about the same price as little pawns. Mm-hmm. I can't remember for sure, but... Um, the nice thing is I can buy it all in bulk and yeah. then strip it down and build the right. sets. Right. So, um, but if there's anybody listening who who has a line on how to get some of this stuff cheaper, I would love to hear that mm-hmm. um, because I want to, you know, make it something that's cost effective. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, I, I, you know, I want the kids to leave feeling like they could go design a game. Sure. You know, that's important to me um, because I think it's a good, I think it's, I think outside of becoming a game designer and never making any money, um, there are other positives, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. they could, uh, it, and, and then I think it helps with things like math. I think it helps with, you know, logical thinking mm-hmm. and, you know, um, yeah. And so that is the other thought that I had is that, um, I think for the sake of their parents, you need to, you need to have some kind of explanation about that, some kind of connection to, to that sort of stuff. You know, for, from the parents' perspective, what are my kids learning from this? Yeah, it's a fun activity, but and, and really for the for the library organizer, or whatever whatever group you're you're connecting with, you know, what's the educational value yep, here? That's that, good. Apart from just fun, that's good. You know, I'm helping kids understand math and 
maybe some odds or statistics, Probability, yeah. probabilities. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I can just throw in things like research shows that and then just say sure. really smart things that, right. you know, that hopefully you, that's how we do it. You yeah. got real data from somewhere, uh, yeah. you know, and you know, positive, positive player interactions. That's one of TC's uh, hot one, hot, you know, desires. He talks a lot about positive player interactions, yeah. you know. I don't listen to anything TC says. Well, he, he's not an idiot. He's, no, he's super smart, yeah. but I still don't um, listen to anything he says. <laughs> but yeah, so outside of just having fun, you know, you can you can talk about the benefits out uh, elsewhere about, you know, learning about winning and losing and and um, and not giving up, you know, hey, think, think about why you lost this time. And and what would you do differently? You know, so pro- some problem solving and and right. And I too can talk to you about this creates a real physical world experience. It's not a video game. It's sure. not tablet time. It's right a real physical interaction. Right. You know. So yeah, mm-hmm. those are all good, really good ideas. Mm-hmm. So I will be going back and listening to this again to steal some okay, ideas. Okay. Good. Yeah, it'll be posting so, in just a few days. I know. Right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so those are all my thoughts on that. Um, but I think it's, have you talked with any, uh, any libraries or I haven't educational? Yet. Uh, um, no? I haven't yet. Uh, Corinne, of course, can hook me up with a lot of yeah. context. Uh, but I actually was going to talk to, to like, um, the school my kids go to, like, mm-hmm. to basically offer like, hey, can I come in and do this? Like, you know, um, for, for my kids class and I'm sure they would let me, you know, mm-hmm. and that would just be a fun thing for the kids. Yeah. Um, and they, cause they like to have speakers come in and stuff and teach them all sorts of mm. stuff. That's not even as useful as game design. I'm just kidding. Game design's not useful, but, um, <laughs> not really. No. no. <laughs> um, except for research does show that, uh, people who are game designers, uh, generally have a higher IQ than people who aren't, um, by like at least 20 points. So, and fewer social skills. Yes. There's also exceptions <clears throat> to that rule. Like, I mean, uh-huh. I can think of people with really low IQs that game design Matt Riddle, but, um, you know, there's, there's just some, but anyways, uh, so I thought about doing that, uh, and then reaching out to some summer camps as well. Cause they're kind of right now scheduling. Oh, so sure. like my kids go to one, so that would be an easy in for sure. one to, uh, um, kind of get in there mm-hmm. and do some of that. Um, so anyways, yeah, yeah, no, I'm gonna, uh, this is just, this, this just sounds like fun, honestly. Like this sounds yeah. like a fun way to work with a community. Um, and, uh, and also get out there more. One of the things, uh, with my, uh, uh, one of the things with my um, new job is that I, I want to be out more doing speaking and stuff. And so this is a kind of a fun way to, mm-hmm. to work on that. Yeah. Um, well, you know, not a ton of pressure because <laughs> you're working with kids about game design, right? Sure. So. Um, right on. Yeah. Good. Cool. Well, yeah, that's about all the thoughts that I have on the subject. Cool. Um, cool. But yeah, I, I'd be curious to hear how it goes, man. Yeah. No, yeah. no. Thanks. Um, so yeah, I'm going to probably start, start slowly rolling into it and then, um, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully like next summer it's something that I can, you know, and even in the school year, something that mm-hmm. I can, you know, be going to schools and working with them and, um, yeah, no, I'm just excited about another thing to do. So good. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, you're going to pitch a game now, eh? I'm going to pitch a game. We're kind of running fast here, but that's okay. Cause we got 4,000 voicemails. We can pick a couple of those to listen to. All right. So we have a new one we just got from, I don't know who it's from. So I'm excited to hear it. Me too. So the game I'm going to pitch today um, had two inspirations. Um, and of course, now that I'm going to talk for the show, I'm blanking on one of them. <laughs> uh, oh, no, no. Yeah, I remember. Uh, so remember the game Reigns that we talked, Rain that we talked yeah. that we talked about? And Reigns. Yeah, yeah, Reigns, yeah. yeah. 
Um, oh yeah, because it's, it's, it's an iPhone game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, it's a popular game. R e i g n s. Yeah, they did like a Game of Thrones version did, of it yeah. and stuff. Um, so that game, I like the decision points in that game, and mm-hmm. I liked the idea of how it worked. Right. Sure. Um, so that I've thought about that for a while, like liking that, and I know you've talked about it as yeah, well. Yeah, we, you and I, I don't recall if we talked about it on the show or not, but you and I have talked about that a little bit here and there. I feel like we did actually talk about it on the show. Sounds familiar, but I know sometimes it all blurs. Um, anyways. The other inspiration for this was I was watching Frozen for the 752nd <laughs> time with my with my kids because um, I haven't seen that movie nearly yeah. enough. Oh, not God. nearly enough. So. I finally watched Moana, by the way. Um, Moana's pretty good. It was fine. I mean, as Disney movies go, uh-huh. like that one was fairly entertaining. Okay. So yeah, you didn't know. like it? I didn't hate it. It was so. just, I'm just not, I just kind of don't care about kids movies. Oh, see, I, I feel yeah. like I've... Maybe it's an emotional thing. I, I maybe I'm just turning into that much more of a crotchety old man. It could be. I mean, you, uh, so you don't have kids. I assume you saw it with your niece. Yeah, we were Hopefully babysitting. You didn't just watch it on your own. No, we were so. babysitting, and uh, yeah. So because Christine wanted to see it, so she went out and bought the bought the movie. And uh, after after we'd been playing pretty heavily for about four hours, it was like, hey, how about we watch Moana? I had tried she to seen take it before. Had the oh, had Lacey seen it before? Lacey had seen it oh, yeah. dozens of times, yes. Yeah. It's she would tell us what was about to happen. Oh, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. So this is about to happen, but don't worry, it'll be okay. Oh, it was nice. narrating the whole thing about five right. minutes ahead of what was actually coming. Right. The coconut pirates are BA though, right? Like <laughs> they were what, pretty cool. What a clever idea. Yeah, right. That was so, that was yeah, that was cool. Yeah. And I tried to sleep through it, but she wouldn't let me. <laughs> It's a it's a movie that has a good message, right? I mean, like yeah, like sure, you know, yeah. Princess saves the day, yeah. which is pretty cool. I mean, so. that's what they all do mostly. Right? No, a lot of those movies, the princess doesn't save the day. Some dude shows up and saves the day. Well, in the so, new ones, though, yeah, in the new ones, they pretty yeah. much all save themselves. But, yeah, yeah, right. So anyway, very empowering. Side note. So anyways, uh, wasn't bad. So in uh, in Frozen, since you haven't seen it, right? Nope. So Elsa is a princess. Okay, but like partway through the movie, pretty early on, she gets goes through a coronation and becomes the queen because okay. the parents are gone spoiler alert okay. uh, and then she has a sister Anna who's then a princess and so okay. anyways so that's all you need to know Good so at one point somebody says in the film which is this is what caught it for me was it's coronation day and I was like okay like for some reason they just I like that word coronation mm-hmm. right so the name of this the game is three coronations okay okay so here is the setup the players are advisors to a monarch and their job is to keep the kingdom running at all costs, but understand that the th- actions they're taking have influence on the child monarch, the child of the monarch who will be taking over mm-hmm. at a certain point in the game. Okay? So that's going to happen three times in the game, hence three coronations, right? So here's what happens. At the start of the game, you've got um, a... Uh, well, let's back up a little bit. Sorry. These notes are a little... Bleh. Shocking, I know. <laughs> what? Uh, my notes you? are crazy. Disorganized um, notes? Incomplete notes? So so there are three tableaus in the game that are important. There is one that tracks the current monarch, the next monarch, which will be a child, um, and then the kingdom. So everything happening in the kingdom, okay? Um, so let's start with the current monarch. So what that's going to be is it's going um, to exp- show you kind of how they are. And that does not change for the monarch um throughout right um it just shows who they are to begin with right okay kind of kind of what the the current monarch's opinion or demeanor is yeah 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 and maybe you don't even need a tableau for that oh you do because um 
Yeah, you do. I'll get to that. Okay. So in the beginning, you're going to be able to pick how hard you want the game to be by picking the first monarch you start with. Mm. If they starting with a good monarch who's very capable, yeah, uh, will make the game easier. Starting with a monarch that's inherently evil will make the game much harder. And that okay. would be a sliding scale, right? So there'd be say five different monarchs to choose from, maybe even more. Okay. Uh, so you'd pick that a king or a queen, put them out there, adjust the tableau so that you knew kind of how they were, right? Okay. And that's going to have some gameplay effects. Then you've got the kingdom. The kingdom has four main resources, super simplified. The resources are food, people, Mm -hmm. your allies, Mm. and innovation, which is your growth, Mm. right? Like, how are you going to move to the future? Okay. Um, So you've got that. And then the the child-to-be monarch, that will be a card, right? And you'll lay that down. And that's going to tell you, um, depending on how everything happens what they would be like. Basically, the tableau is going to be ever-shifting in front of them, and wherever that ends up locked in will determine what type of monarch they're going to be, right? So when they become the next monarch, wherever you've landed them at, and so here's how you affect that. So uh, you've got those those four resources you're trying to balance, the food, people, allies, and innovation. And um, those four resources, kind of like in Reigns, start in the middle. Mm. Um, now in Reigns, they can get as wonky as they as you want, as long as you don't hit the extreme, because yeah. then you die. Right. Either even if it's too good, because you die. Um, with this, there would actually be ranges within that. So you want to keep it right in the middle. And once it strays a few steps from the middle, then suddenly things get better or worse. Okay. Well, things get more <clears throat> things get more volatile. Either way, beyond there, right? Sure. So as the so what's going to happen is there are eight dice in the game. You're only going to start using four. The dice, um, there are two that represent each of the things, right? So two okay. for food and so on. Um, and the uh, the dice all have the same values. They're just colored different to match that specific resource. Um, but the the values on the dice are x zero, negative one, negative one, negative one, and negative two. No plus. They're all either even or negative. Okay. Okay. And you'll start with one die for each resource. And at the beginning of the turn, you would roll those dice. And then based on those results, that would tell you what was about to happen to the um, to the resources. Right. Obviously, negative one means it would shift down one. Right. Negative two. Right. And as soon as you've gotten down two or three on that scale or up two or three on that scale, Mm -hmm. immediately you add the second die for that one. So now it's even more swingy because now it oh. could go down negative four in one turn. Okay. And if it ever gets fully to the bottom, the monarch is dead. And immediately the new person comes in, right? Is that making sense so far? Yep, I'm with you. So here's how you affect it. As the advisors, you have cards you can play. The cards have three pieces of information on them. And this is just a deck that everyone is drawing from. It has a resource gain and gain or loss. So plus two, plus minus one, right? Mm-hmm. Um and it has the resource type it can affect, or it's a wild that could affect any resource, right? And then it has what negative effect will it have on the next, what effect will it have negative or positive on the incoming monarch, right? Mm. So kind of what the idea here is, thinking about like Game of Thrones, right? And um, I was thinking specifically about um, the last king. So I'm not going to spoil it, but remember who the last king was on Game of Thrones? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that king like was good hearted and like wanted to do stuff, but like 
they're the people these people are so traumatized by these terrible decisions mm-hmm. all of the people around them are making right mm-hmm. so you're those people around them except for you're trying really hard to keep the kingdom alive without completely damaging this this incoming kid by them seeing you know your lack of scruples and stuff like that right yeah basically you're trying to be varus not little finger right? yeah, yeah, yeah so you're trying to do what's good for the kingdom while keeping the kids safe and happy, right? Got it. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, it does. So um, in every kid that could be incoming will have a different demeanor, meaning like, so if I go to this level, I'll be this way. Mm-hmm. Whereas another character, if you go to this level, could be different, mm-hmm. right? So like, you know, you're Joffrey or whatever, right? Could be right. much worse. Um, and then there's also season cards. And a season card comes out. Um, at the beginning of a turn and it will last for one to two turns which is dictated on the card and one to two turns are once or twice a round because every turn you have to play a card you have to do something and it's mm-hmm. going to have an effect on something right okay um and you are working together but you're going to be playing those cards simultaneously which means that you may be because you're just working haphazardly much like in game of thrones where they're trying to do the same thing but they're all working against each other half the time because they're idiots right yeah um and these season cards uh, would do different things. One of the specific things they would do is they would set the value of X. So the X on the die could do oh, something okay. different based on the season. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yep. Uh, there are five seasons before a monarch dies and is replaced. Mm-hmm. So that could be 10 turns or oh, that could be five turns, but it's likely going to be somewhere in between those two since it's one to two turns on every sure. um, card. I might make that one to three. It would it would it would take some playtesting to figure that out. Right. Um, and then also each player has a specific job and therefore has a variable player power that they could use once per monarch. Um, so three times per game. Because that last monarch you're not going to play as. That last monarch is the monarch that will set the legacy to determine whether or not you won the game. Sure. Right now I'm struggling not to envision this as a co-op because the goal is to get the monarch to have a certain demeanor. Um, you know, in the end to basically know that the kingdom will carry on without you. Yeah. Um, but there also could be goals of my character wants the monarch to do this. Right. And every time a monarch hits one of those, I get a point, you know what I mean? That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, it sounds a lot like a co-op right now. I, right. Right. And, yeah. and I like the idea of like the blind co-op of like, we're all just trying to help, but we don't know. And maybe some right. of its power is to say, everyone will play their card one at a time this round, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um, when it's really, really matters. Hmm. Uh, and the game ends when the third coronation happens, like I said. So so that's where I'm at with that right now. So, But I'm super intrigued by it. So so it starts with the coronation of the monarch, and then when that monarch dies, the, the child is coronated. You start mid with this monarch. Like, this okay. monarch is in place, All right. and the three coronations are the first kid, then their kid, uh-huh. and then the last kid. So you're going to go through four generations here, or you're but you're end. not going to play the last one. Okay, you're end you're ending on the fourth generation. Right, right. Got it. So, which could be the game could go quicker, the game could go longer. It really yeah. depends on you know yeah. what actions you take. Yeah, that's so, neat. And that's I I like that idea of playing a card to help the current monarch risking damage to the next one. Right. That seems yeah, fun to me. That there's there's a there's a consequence. You know what that consequence consequence of this action is going to be. And over time, the actions you take and those consequences can build up. That yeah, that's neat. That's interesting. So yeah, yeah. So I feel 
pretty good about that idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like something that would be easier to prototype. Honestly, uh, if I haven't talked to him yet, Neil, you're hearing this now, but uh, this is the type of game I'd love to look at with Neil because mm-hmm. the balancing of the the dice and the like the the pluses and minuses and negative effects and stuff, yeah. he would he that that's like right up his alley. So, mm-hmm. um, but I actually just had this had this idea a couple of weeks ago. I just literally. Or whenever I was watching friggin' Frozen again, but um, I just wrote down three coronations. I was like, boom. Yeah. And then uh, a couple days ago, I came back and sat down and at my desk and saw that note and was like, oh yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm jazzed about this game. So I made a ton of notes and uh, cool. I don't. Who knows? I may never even prototype it, but right now it's it's an idea that sounds really fun to me. Like sure. it's yeah, it's, um, it's different. It's different and like I like the idea of dealing with the consequences of. Mm-hmm. Having negative actions sounds kind of fun. So. Yeah, it does. It does. I like um, that. That's that's a good hook. Yeah, right? That's what yeah. I thought so, too. Yeah, good hook. So Cool. So that's three coronations. All right. Do you want to pick a voicemail or two? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. We got some time here. BTG, Leo Wexford, what is going on? So the other day, excuse me, I was playing Wasteland Express Delivery Service by... Uh, then pitched back and uh um um Jason's best friend and it you know it's a wonderful game. It's a great game. And, but it has all those pieces and all the bits in the plastic shell that's in there, right? Uh and then uh last night I was playing Rococo with a friend and was putting it away and my friend was like, Oh, well you get an insert for this and I'm like, well, Rococo you don't really need an insert for, you know, the pieces are there's a lot of pieces, but it's in fiddly and it breaks up nicely. You know, plastic baggies work fine. <laughs> Sorry. What I'm getting at here now is, do you think that um, the aftermarket, right, and all of the inserts and all of the bling and all the flashiness has allowed board games to become uh, more complicated? Because even, even beforehand, you guys used to talk, talk on a show about what if I made my dream game and it had 50 dice and, you know, I did all these things. Well, a lot of those things are happening now. And, uh, I mean, one, it's because the, the market's opening up and it, it, it's there, right? So people are going to buy it. Um, and I was wondering if, if what, what your thoughts are on that, which it, it, it felt better in my brain. And then I started talking and, and you know, I got jumped up. But it was just that there was Wasteland and then there was Rococo. And I think there's very two... Um, not different games like on the spectrum of of, uh, of bits, but still at the same weight. And that's that's where I was going with that. With you know, Rococo and Wasteland, I think are, are the same kind of weight of game. At least in my head, they are. Uh, Wasteland gets complicated by its components, but it's but because of the way the insert is, it degrades that complexity. I'm doing a terrible job, which is fitting for the show on describing this. So, yeah. I'm just going to stop now. I don't understand what people don't call, call more often because you call and you start talking, right? Just stream of thought. Maybe that's what it is. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Anyways, talk to you later. Bye. Thanks, Len. Uh, that might be one of the best voicemails you've ever left, left us, honestly. I think that's, those are really interesting questions. Um, so I think... I think what's changed that in, in one of the main things and Jason, you might disagree with me here. I'd be interested in your, your thoughts. <clears throat> I think one of the main things that has, has helped make complex games 
more realistic or more more viable, more 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 attractive to publishers is Kickstarter. Yes, uh, it, because because Kickstarter, uh, um, it, and especially uh, stretch goals. Because people got excited, started to get excited about more and more and more and more and more. And Kickstarter has promoted, that market has promoted add-ons and more, putting more in the box, more in the box. Because more, mm-hmm. more in the box means more value. More in the box right. means a more fun game. And and I don't say that, to, I, I don't know Rococo. I know it's a it's a popular game. I haven't played it. Uh, I actually, neither, nor have I played uh, Wasteland Express. Uh, people freaking love that game, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I mean, it's three... Pretty good designers. Pretty brilliant so, guys, honestly. Two amazing guys, for sure. <laughs> um, so, <clears throat> uh, uh, I, I think I think the the um, the growth of the Kickstarter market and and that 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 has had a big influence on what people are willing to try. What people uh, it, it's it's reduced that that fear of holy crap, this is a box full of stuff. As complexity has grown, of course, that has forced publishers to think more about the organization. And frankly, Pandasaurus does an amazing job. They because they think all that stuff through, right? right. Uh, to 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 make sure that they they think not just about how how hard is it to play this game, but also how do we make it easy easier for people to get into and get out of mm-hmm. this complexity. Well, I think that. Um, to piggyback on exactly what you're saying there is um, <clears throat> Panasaurus, I think, is the best company when it comes to knowing what to put on Kickstarter and what not. Yeah. They, the mind, not on Kickstarter. Right. The game, not on Kickstarter. Was Wasteland Kickstarter? Yes. It was. Okay. I'm pretty I sure. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Maybe I'm wrong, but like Dinosaur Island famously was, sure. right? Yeah. And that game is, is an ode to excess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that game in a non-Kickstarter world could have been half the game mm-hmm. and been just as good, but it's way cooler because mm-hmm. they have so many cool things that Kickstarter allowed them to put into the game. And I, I mean that as a compliment, right? Oh, sure, yeah. Um, in Wasteland, I think Wasteland was Kickstarter as well, but maybe I'm wrong. I could be wrong. I don't remember, honestly. Um, but but yes, they have. They are good at making like lots of stuff. And I remember yeah. actually when uh, Gilmore was unboxing it, for yeah. the first time, like, I mean, he'd seen it before, but like he was unboxing the first copy at like Gen Con or something. Uh-huh. And I happened to walk over when he was doing it and like people were ooing and aahing about how well the pieces fitted and how mm-hmm. good that insert was. Right. And I personally think that um, companies like the Broken Token, who do that professionally with yeah. like, you know, wood inserts and stuff. I think that companies like them entering the market has forced other companies who want to make... Um, uh, boutique game yeah. to up their game on that. Yeah. No pun intended, right? Sure. So, yeah, and and so yeah, broken token and custom inserts like that, aftermarket inserts, I think are great. But people would always rather have the the game come with that and not have to spend extra yes. money for that extra insert. And I think publishers know that, and that's right. why we're seeing better inserts. Yes. And, and and one of the things that jumps out at me actually is is after seeing inserts like Wasteland has, and and actually the first one that I ever experienced that had a good insert was um. Uh, with Small World has a has a really good insert for all those little tiles. Oh, does it? Yeah, it's good. Um, and and I compare that to to some of those minis games, like like for example, Blood Rage, which is a wonderful game, but it's just a bunch of big elaborate minis loose in a big box. There's no organization. There's, there's nothing. It doesn't feel. Um, it doesn't feel like they thought through all the packaging 
mm. in a yeah. sense, right? And yeah. I think I think Kingdom Death is that way too. I, I I don't know that for sure, but I think Kingdom Death. Well, they were too busy thinking through how many miniatures they could fit in that yeah, box. Well, they put all their time and all their effort into the miniatures, and, right? Right. And and I, I we've talked about into Death. printing money, right? Um, and, and I so I might be wrong on that, but but I know that the copy of Blood Rage that I played. And, and really enjoyed a lot. It was just loose miniatures rattling around in a box. And, and that was annoying. disappointing. Yeah. It ended up yeah. feeling cheaper than it needed to. Right. Um, um, yeah. So um, I do have a custom insert for Saloon Tycoon. Uh, a builder, uh, actually, um, I don't recall his name now. It's been several. It's might maybe been a year since he sent that to me. But he reached out to me through Board Game Geek. That's said, hey, awesome. yeah, hey, I make these custom inserts and I just designed one for Saloon Tycoon. Can I send you one? And that was super awesome. You were like, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Thanks. I'll take that. Awesome. And it's, it's what is it? It's uh, it's like a, a lightweight, um, I think it was MDF, just laser cut. Yep. Um, yeah, I think the Broken Token does, I think that sort of thing too. Yeah, I so, think so. Some of their stuff is like real fancy wood, but I, I can't imagine paying extra for an insert just because like I'm cheap and like I buy too many yeah, games. right. But that said, like, um, maybe I would because like Catan, right? Gosh, I haven't played that in forever, but we actually have Catan and like our we put it in our own box. Yeah. Um, because we had so many different pieces and components that sure. I would have probably at some point paid twenty to fifty dollars for a thing to put it all in mm-hmm. to have it be all in there. So yeah, yeah, maybe I would have. Yeah, back when when we were playing uh Carcassonne and uh I mean the, the Carcassonne box, the insert in the Carcassonne box that we have is just garbage. Um, so I, I, I would have at one time in the past been happy to buy a custom insert for that. Uh, likewise with Dominion, I would have loved to have a custom, um, Dominion's got a pretty decent one. It does, but, but uh, what I would like, would have liked is like, you know, I've seen those trays that you, that you set on the table to help you stay organized. Oh, that would be cool. That would have been nice. Yes. That's something Dominion could have had in back when I was playing a lot. If Dominion was published now in this market, it probably would have something like that. Right. Um, a game like Smash Up could probably benefit from something like that as well, just because there's so. I mean, there's so many expansions. So many. Yeah. I'm gonna guess they they probably sell like a big box or something to put them all in. That probably. just sounds like something they would do. Mm-hmm. I don't mean that bad. I just, I mean, it's another revenue stream. Mm-hmm. So cool. Yeah, Glenn, great voicemail. Um, really appreciate the thoughts on that. Good question. Yeah. All right. Now we have one, one more voicemail here from one more uh, somebody else. Already. Um, Hey guys, this is Patrick. First, I just want to say thank you for your Kickstarter advice. My game funded, and I'm very happy with that. Secondly, I love metal coins. I know they're they're really really expensive, and I that that's a problem for another day. But I really want to design a, a game that is sort of centered around metal coins. Like I want the focus of the game to be on the coins. So, do you have any ideas on basic some sort of some sort of mechanics or mechanism or, or, or pitch or something that is all about coins and passing them from player to player or anything to do with that. Cause I'd, I'd love to make a game and design some, some very fancy metal coins. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Thank you, Patrick. Uh, I wish you had said what game, what your game was that funded. I know we talked about it, I think, uh, several weeks ago, but I can't remember off the top of my head what it was. Uh, but congratulations on yes. your funding. Um, I have some thoughts. Can I go, get my yeah, thoughts? Can I do. go first this time? Yes. Uh, all right. So here's my thoughts. Um, first of all, metal coins are amazing. Oh, love them. Um, Panda uh, prints really cool metal coins. Anybody who's gotten one of their free game design boxes, like for the game design toolkits, mm-hmm. uh, they have amazing little metal coins of different colors and stuff in there. You've mm-hmm. you've had one of those, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, they're great. Um, 
Here's here's my pitch for your Metal Coin game. So if you decide to publish a Metal Coin game, I expect that we'll be working together on this, pal. So, <laughs> but no, um, but really though, call me. Um, no, anyways, what I'm saying is, uh, so interesting. One of the things you were always worried about, uh, when you originally worked at Epic Monster Tea Party, right? Yeah, was everything had to be the same, right? Yeah, like and so your original version, like that's how it worked. Um, uh, in thinking about what if on purpose things were like the coins were all the same, but what was printed on them was different. Mm. And the purpose of the game was, uh, for some reason you're passing a bag around, right? You're reaching in said bag and you're making mental notes about what's in the bag. So it's not about just drawing out. It's about reaching in like the beginning of the round, the bag starts empty and then someone puts some stuff in there and then somehow you are bidding or guessing on what is actually in the bag based on feeling it. Um, and have a timer so everybody gets like 15 seconds, like a short sand timer, just like boom, right? So you're like, uh, okay, pass, right? And you have to write down your guess, you know what I mean? Um, and so it's almost like a, an auction, but you're trying to guess what's in there to win what's in there. So does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So I like the idea of you feeling around at the coins. But if they all feel the same, then what's the point? No, 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 no. This they're the same size, uh-huh. but they would have like different etchings or markings on them. Oh, oh. Okay. So you would be able to feel the difference, is what I'm oh, saying. I thought you were talking about like they were screen printed or something. No, 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 no. Metal coins, man. You don't screen print metal coins. Well, you could screen you? print on a metal coin if it was right. a flat surface. Right. Yeah. So um, I guess what I was thinking about that was you could even have like dummy coins in there that are always in there, right? Mm-hmm. So there's always five dummy coins in there, say. And then you put in five real coins, and that's what you're auctioning for, right? Mm-hmm. And you're trying to reach in and feel like, okay, this is this, this is this, right? All right, all right, that, this is my guess, right? And maybe you've got a thing in the middle with pictures of what the coins look like. So mm-hmm. you're trying to you, you know, use the tactile sensation to feel what coins they are so you can make your wager. Okay. I feel like that's a really good idea. I like that. It's an okay idea. I'm going with it. It's good. It's an okay idea. So, so the stuff that came to my mind is is what would what would make it meaningful as a metal coin versus a plastic token or a chipboard token? That and so when when I think of things like that, I think about um, how you're handling the coin, and I think about flipping a coin because flipping a metal coin always feels better than flipping a plastic uh, uh, token or you know or a poker chip or something. That is right? true. Um, one of the other things that I did before, uh, that I toyed with a while ago is, is spinning a coin, right? I had kind of a, kind of a storm chaser tornado game, uh, where you would spin a coin on, on the table and whichever way it would fall down and whichever direction it was pointing would be meaningful and spinning. And I, I ended up using a wooden kind of a heavier wooden right, uh, token right. for that because it's, it felt better and spun better than a plastic poker chip with, with stuff on it. Probably the game didn't work out, um, but a metal, you know, a metal token there would, would be, would be, um, could be meaningful. I think if you're going to do that, because, because yes, you're right. Obviously metal, metal coins are expensive. They're cheap right. in mass, right? When you're making, you know, tens of thousands of them, um, when you're doing a short run of them, they're super expensive. Um, that's one of those things where, where volume makes such a difference. Um, so if you're going to do that, your game's going to cost more. And that one coin or whatever coins you put in there have to be the f- whole focus of the game. They have to be the iconic, the number one most most important piece 
in that game, right? You don't want to just have it be a game about some something else, and then your money happens to be metal coins. Oh no, because no, no, that's no. not worth yeah, it. It right? has to be it has to be the focus of the game. Right. And I think you have to keep the number of coins in the game down. Right. Well, that's what I was thinking with what I had suggested was you yeah. could probably have 15 coins and that's it mm-hmm. because you'd have your five generic ones and then three of the other five kind, right? Yeah. And then you would put a mix and match in the bag every time yeah. and then you would just track your score some other way other than not actually keeping the coins in front of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, uh, interesting thing though. I, I you. But metal coins are amazing. Me- though. They're so cool, right? Especially like fantasy ones. Like I just want a bag of fake fantasy gold coins, you know? Yeah. In, in different denominations, mm-hmm. so it's some that are gold and some that are silver and some, you know, it, they don't have to be real metal or re- real precious metals, right? You know, just whatever. They're just colored aluminum or something. But um, oh gosh, it just feels so good. Mm-hmm. I even like like I I I one at one point bought a, a bag of plastic gold coins like pirate coins like toy pirate coins and i've used those in, in half a dozen games just because they feel good yep you i know? am too yeah. not as good as metal of course but you no. know no those panda ones like i was so impressed and then my kids when they got those kits yeah. were like this is amazing yeah they're super cool so, so it's too bad they're so expensive yeah yeah and i don't know if that's the type of thing where i have to assume getting different ones mm-hmm. like different for each one it would cost more because it's a cast it's not like, the, you know, it's like dice, except for, you know, now yeah. they can screen print dice. But I think before, you would, they would probably make a die and they would be they would be stamped probably on a die or I think well, they call it striking. A but coin. what I mean, though, is you'd have to have in like, for instance, my idea, you'd have to have six different ones. Yeah, right. right. Which, Which would might be, be that much more that much more expensive. Right. But the cool thing is you could have them all be the same on one side. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I, I will admit that um, in my in my uh, wish list on on wish dot com. I have I have uh, a pack of like 300 Chinese coins that are just just those little little metal mm-hmm. round coins with a square hole in the middle. What is wish.com? It's it's a wonderful website, man. You just put stuff out there and say, "Hey, somebody want to buy me this?" <laughs> no, it's 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 just an online shopping site, but it's all uh it's all made in China stuff. It's all like overstock and 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 uh um oh, kind yeah. of air I pack think, stuff. I think I have seen that before. Yeah. Everything is just ridiculously cheap. Uh, and some of it even has free shipping, but even even the shipping is super cheap. The downside is it all comes from China, and you have to wait forever for it to actually show up. And you never really know what kind of quality it's going to be until you get it. Right, right. So my my dad actually loves that that website. He buys stuff from it all the time. Just he's like, look at this thing. It was free. All I had to do was pay for shipping. For the, it, for the last three years for Christmas, he's just bought me and my brother stuff from Wish dot com. I think this year I got. Uh, a 25 pack of of hand warmers one time use hand warmers and a flashlight just because it, it was such a good deal i couldn't pass it up <laughs> <laughs> anyway that's um, fantastic yeah but they have they have a lot of they have a ton of like tons of blank dice and and um and coins and things like that on there too so really yeah but again you never know what you're gonna get i think all i right. bought some dice from there once and they were all d6s and some of them didn't have pips painted on some of the sides, and others had like you know six on the die three times, but it was inconsistent. It's, <laughs> you know, it's it's always kind of a kind of a trip. I I bought a uh, a sweatshirt from there once because it was again you know, like two dollars, whatever. Oh, yeah, let's give this a try. It's a Deadpool sweatshirt. I know that's your big. Yeah, I, boy, I do I love Deadpool. <sighs> um. Anyway, and it showed up, and uh, the right arm was a different size from the left arm. 
Like like they'd sewn on the right arm from a size small onto a size large. That's amazing. And it was really, I mean, it was really funny. Did you wear it? You should have worn well, it. Well, I, I couldn't get my arm through it. It was so small. Oh, that's too bad. Um, but they also have a great return policy. All I did was was take a picture of it with, uh, uh, you know, lay it on the table and take a picture of it and uh, and upload it and say, that this, I can't, the arms are different sizes and they refunded me like immediately. Wow. Yeah. And, so, and I didn't have to send it back. They're just like, we don't, because why, why spend right. Spend the money again. No, we're going to need you to send a bunch of money to send it back so that we can throw it away. Right. Maybe they'll destitch the one side and then right. restitch the you know. Yeah. And it was cheap. Every, all the clothes on there are just so cheap. So cheaply made, cheaply manufactured. But it's yeah, just. you bought it anyways. It's just kind of fun. Now goofy. I'm going to spend too much time looking at wish.com. Totally should, man. Can't wait. I recommend that to anybody. You can lose hours on Wish. Do they have an app? Yeah. Yeah. You can lose hours on Wish. Just download that. Go ahead and it's, do the outro. I'm going to download that. It's great. Anyway, so thanks, uh, thanks Patrick, for your message. Uh, uh, thanks for using uh, 77 Hotel BTG. We really appreciate it. Uh, and builders, if you want, if you want to get in touch with us, you can send an email to buildingthegamepodcast at gmail.com or you can call our Google voice number at 77 Hotel BTG. You can follow us on Twitter at podcast BTG. Jason is at J.A. Slingerlin. I'm at poly underscore design. Uh, like us on places give us good podcast reviews please you can uh, um, you can buy our games um, you can come on back every week and keep downloading and we'll talk about more more garbage next week Woo, garbage hot garbage hot gar- the hottest steamiest garbage good night Building the Game is a co-production of Imminent Entertainment and Poorly Designed Studios. All ideas presented by Rob and Jason are the property of the Building the Game podcast. We sure hope you'll join us again soon. Until next time... Dial 770-TELL-BTG. Please don't use the email.